Hello, my name is Jason Reichel, and you're listening to Risk Management Brick by Brick. I'm fascinated with people who are helping build and maintain the physical world around us. On each episode of this podcast, we'll dive in with a risk manager, speak to them about how technology plays a role in this process. Hey, welcome, Stephen. Thank you for joining me on Brick by Brick. How are you today? I'm doing well, Jason. How are you doing? I'm doing really, really good. It's so wonderful to have you on the show. Steve and I work together during our day job, and he's one of the people who has taught me a lot about risk management and all the nuances of it. And I'm so excited to get into a conversation about some of the things that we talk about all the time in the office and, and excited to bring it to the Brick by Brick community. Before we get there, though, one thing I like to do is why should someone listen to your advice about what their risk management is? What's your background? How did you end up in the position you're in? And it was always sort of a destined career place for you to be. Yeah, my background is my family has been in insurance from my great-grandfather. He was a crop adjuster in Iowa. And that kind of went down the generational path where my uncles and dad started their own brokerages. And so I went to college for something completely different than, than insurance and then uh, decided to jump into the family industry, became a property casualty broker for about... I was over a decade. And so it's been an interesting journey along the way, learning different things from personal lines to the commercial aspect, from leaving my father's brokerage to going to locked-in insurance brokers in LA. It's been awesome. Wow. It's not often that we have someone on the podcast that was born and bred insurance. Sometimes ask the question about what have you seen change the most? But like for you, that's like a lifetime. So is it done the same way? I mean, is insurance still the same game as it was on your grandfather's day or has it matured and become something more high-tech and, and more modern? Like, what's your take on it? I mean, I have memories of sitting... I mean, my father used to write insurance policies in dealership parking lots at midnight because the car couldn't go off a lot before they had an insurance policy. So a car dealer would drive... I could call him, he'd r- drive over there, write an insurance policy, and this could be at midnight. And so the use of technology, the use of being able to spread data through the internet, the internet has changed everything, really. You know, we're no longer paper-based as much as we are still paper-based. Like it, We have grown over the couple of years. So to- when people give the insurance industry for not progressing and not modernizing, you like know firsthand that that's not actually true. Yeah. I mean, it's such a large industry. I mean, I think what is it, the sixth largest industry in in the United States? Yeah. So it has grown. Yes, it hasn't grown as fast as technology has grown, but I've seen the progression. I've seen the growth. Yeah. For someone that we can get into this, one of the things that you often talk about is a business's risk appetite. This is when someone comes into the organization and they don't really understand insurance. This is sort of the dummy metaphor that you give to people is that every business has a risk appetite and and how that's made up. Do you feel like part of the slow adoption of technology in insurance is to mitigate too much risk too fast? Like, do you feel like it's actually an appropriate reaction to move at a a more deliberate pace for the insurance industry because it touches so much? Is it irresponsible that insurance hasn't moved quickly on technology or is it responsible that they've moved slower on technology? I feel like it moves as fast as the slowest person can move. So when you have large organizations that have entrenched infrastructure, the way that they've done business since the turn of the century, I mean, insurance has been around forever. Insuring shipments 
coming across the ocean. So like you have that big infrastructure that you have to constantly move. And it's a big industry to be able to change. You can't ask someone to change it overnight because they still have to service their customers. You still have to service the market. So there is a, I see it growing and I think you're going to see it even increase even more in the next decade. I think you'll actually see it at the adoption of technology become much faster because the infrastructure is changing to be able to adopt to that to technology. That's interesting. I mentioned it before, which is the risk appetite. And this is something that I often cite to people as why risk management is so important for a business. What's your definition of the risk appetite and how would you explain that to your customers and to how it should influence a CEO who's running a business as an example? Yeah, one of my mentors when coming up from insurance, he always told me, never let insurance get in the way of doing business. And I think that's that really resonates with a lot of, of our customers where they're just trying to get the job done, but they also want to protect themselves in this litigious society where you can get pulled into a lawsuit or you can get pulled into a claim. So I always want to talk whenever I'm talking with a customer to understand what their process is of making these decisions and how like some people don't know they have a risk appetite. Some people don't know that they actually have this already built out, this process built out in their infrastructure. And I like to help them highlight that and bring it to surface so they know they're actually making a conscious business decision on data. Do you find that the way businesses have in the past said, okay, we're okay with this risk, when summed up, they're actually surprised by the risk appetite that they have, so to speak? Is it like when you go to the doctor and your doctor goes, how many beers did you drink this week? And you're like, well, on Monday I had two and they're like, hold it by the end. You're like, I don't know if I should tell my doctor this. It's been like 30 beers or like 10 beers. Is it that when it's like summarized and put into someone's face that sometimes they're a business owner might be shocked by how much risk they're taking on? I think there is a little bit of a shock factor there. I think where technology is coming into play, where they're actually going to be able to analyze their decisions. I think in the moment, it makes sense, especially if it's a high value project, or this is an important contact that we need to get this up and running and we need to to satisfy our job and what we're trying to do on a day-to-day. So I think there is a shock factor there when they come into, when they start actually looking at the hard data and they actually start looking at what they do on a day-to-day basis. And when you add everything up, if you have a hundred projects and you're making an exception for 20% of them, that it's really interesting to start seeing people's decisions and you can start analyzing that those decisions and say, oh, we need to not do this or make a more concerted effort to be able to not waive these requirements if that's what they want to do. But at the end of the day, they would still want to get the job done. That's the whole goal at the end of the day. So when you talk about contractual risk transfer and we think about that process of ensuring that responsibility is that you're secure or that you know that you're waiving security in order to get the job done more quickly or whatever it is in that world. Do you feel like that's something that is often overlooked as being important in an organization? I have seen in the analyzation of a lot of organizations, them not knowing what their contract actually says, where they will leave it as a contract requirement instead of what they're actually trying to collect and validate as what's deemed compliant to allow someone on a job or to do the business that they're doing. And so, I mean, it is an important aspect of it, but again, it gets into the risk appetite where contractors transfer 
you're contractually obligated that you're passing that obligation to another party. So the you, there is something like it's in my contract. It might not matter if I'm tracking this appropriately or doing everything because it's covered. It's like the idea of like, well, I don't need to file taxes because they have all my tax receipts anyways. So if they come after me, they already have the information. Like it's a checks and balance system. You want to make sure that if you put a hundred dollars in your bank account, you have a hundred dollars accounted for. Exactly. Yeah. And time is money. And so when you get pulled into a claim, if you've ever gotten pulled into a claim, that takes up a lot of time and resources. Who you want to be involved with, you're getting your insurance carrier involved. So there's a reason why people are wanting to validate that their partners that they are doing business with are living up to the obligation of the contract. Yeah, it's really the handshake between parties, right? Like, yes. I can be in my contract and maybe you like from a legal standpoint, but do you understand and, and can you demonstrate an understanding is what this process is really valuable for, right? And, yes. I, and that's something that I've seen more and more. When you factor this into a risk program or overall for a risk manager, it's kind of like the old um, Van Halen or some band would always just go, oh, I don't want the red M&Ms or I don't want some color M&Ms. And they would do that to pay attention to how well the crew was set up at the venue because they had a lot of rigs where they had to fly around stuff. And so if they couldn't follow that kind of simple direction, which is I don't want any yellow M&Ms, then how are they going to trust their cage that flips upside down 10 times to the same staff that they don't know? So it was a, a way of having a check and balance as part of your program. Do you feel like if someone has a bad contractual risk transfer process in general, can you kind of glean that they might not be doing everything that they could be in their broader risk program? I would say it's an indicator for sure. I feel like that's something that like I would want to address and be able to, I think everything insurance, I mean, in insurance policies, it relates back to the contract to be listed as an additional insured. It talks about having a written contract in force with that other party. And so The contract is everything, in my opinion. It's the starting point for contract risk transfer to be able to have a good program. What do you think about the way that businesses are being structured now where if, say, for the sake of this conversation, you're a construction business, then you hire a sub and then they hire a sub and then they have a sub because a lot of these businesses are now independent because there's not as many giant plumbing organizations anymore that then have people working for them. They're all independent. How do you feel like that complicates risk transfer and how much risk appetite you're taking on at any moment? Like, is that a big deal? Is that something that we're going to have to like, that technology and other systems are going to have to catch up to? I think there is an issue when you're getting so many layers of involved in a project, especially from a project owner's perspective, because they want to know who's on their job, who's on their site. And do they have adequate insurance that the contractor bid on? And that's what a lot of the general contractors now are looking to track some of those, the subs of the sub. And so it is a little interesting to see the landscape change because the project owner doesn't have the contract with the sub of the sub. They have the contract with the general contractor and and having to understand that just that layering that you have to be able to identify who you want on the job and who you allow on the job to do the work. Jobs are becoming more complex, larger, more infrastructure, all these things. I was at in Dubai and I was at the Burj Khalifa and I said they have a wall with everyone's name who worked on it from like the smallest person that and it's like a Marvel movie, like all the special effects people. And you're like, holy, these are all 
independent businesses. There's all this stuff here to build this one thing. And it's like, you have to imagine that that process is really critical to managing the liability of these massive projects that people do. Yeah, absolutely. What are some of the trends that you hope to see the industry or your area? Like, talk to me about what you think is important in 2023 for a risk manager to focus on. I think the data is everything right now. I think being able to actually have data be accessible to you so that you can make the business decisions that you need to make on a day-to-day basis. That is where for our customers, I really want to help give that to them and have that be a spotlight for them to be able to bring to their boardroom and be able to show the meaningful metrics that they that they need to share with their company and the quality to be able to maybe establish best practice, like that we are an industry leader in best practice of risk management and contract risk transfer being one of being a part of that. Do you think contractual so, risk transfer needs to be brought into the actual right policy conversation with the broker? I see that as a writing on the wall where I could see that being part of the underwriter's perspective where they want to be able to see actually not just, oh, do you have a contract that obligates the subcontractors, but are you actually collecting that documentation that's proving that they have the requirements that they've signed the contract for? That's interesting. So in essence, it's like showing your work is going to become a critical component to the success or you think or think that it should be because it's showing due diligence, it's showing process. It's like you are demonstrating a level of excellence, right? And so thus your contracts must be good and all these things are happening across the board. What about with the fact that it's harder and harder for some independent subs because of these organizations all moving into their own individual businesses, harder for them to actually get the insurance required to do the work in the first place now? Absolutely. The hard market right now is, I mean, especially for the excess uh, liability, it's very difficult to get those higher level insurance policies. So I think you're going to start seeing some being able to some leniency. Some people might taking some more risk of who's allowed the general contractor might take some more risk, or they might really focus on these high value projects that they're being a part of really understanding their core vendors of who they partner with and they know are going to have their back because you never want to get into the blame game with your vendors. And so you want to make sure that you have your team around you. And I think that's part of the process of that we're moving forward with these high value projects. You're going to start seeing some, I think people uh, really dialing in their, who they do business with. And also is it not introducing risk? Because I know some people's answer to this is, oh, we'll force coverage or replace coverage on the behalf of our vendors. But then aren't you assuming some level of risk as an organization for that too? It's just an interesting time to think about how businesses are shifting and then also then the technology shifting and then also the process, which is sometimes the last thing to shift and what seems to be the last thing to shift in the insurance industry is the process, right? So it's just interesting to, to think through those caveats. Yeah, I think trying to force place coverage, I doubt you'll find a carrier that's going to want to take on a process that's going to force place coverage on a, like a construction project. That's going to be interesting to see who comes in the marketplace on being able to say, oh, you're non-compliant on this project. We're going to make you, we're going to sell you a policy. Well, can that sub afford the policy? Can they, how, like what's going to happen in that space? It's going to be very interesting to see in the next couple of years. Great. Everybody in this 
industry has been so professional and so interesting. And there's a general theme that always comes up around curiosity. And that's really what drives risk managers and drives this event is wanting to understand how the world, the built world actually works around them. In that sake, what's a piece of advice that you've been given in your career that's kept you on track or kept you focused that you think other people should sort of take into account and maybe use as a piece of advice in the future? I feel like the piece of advice that I was, that I've been given that I've brought with me about curiosity is never assume you're right a hundred percent of the time. Always look to find that someone who can teach you something. I've always, in this industry going, moving from the brokerage world to an insure tech, I'm really changing the landscape of what I do. And I'm able to talk to really interesting people and learn constantly, continue to learn and grow my knowledge base to be able to do my job as best as I can. Yeah. One thing that you just brought up that I wanted to ask about before we left, because I don't get a lot of people on the podcast who have the background of working on all sort of different sides of the industry. What do you think is going to happen in the future between the broker and the business? How do you think their relationship is going to evolve or change in the next five to 10 years? I think the brokers are going to become more and more consultative, like consultative to their insureds or to their customers. I think they're going to bring new level of technology. I think the brokers are going to vet the technology for their customers and provide just like, I think you're going to start seeing actually, it's going to become more and more relationship-based even more because you're going to be able to trust the broker and they're not going to just be bringing you a submission for your renewal policies. They're also going to bring you some technology that will help you run your organization. And it's going to be interesting to see how the lines all blur together with that, with between technology and then like how the brokers present that to their customers. I even see that being coming part of like the submission process and the renewal process of, of being able to provide that technology as well. What's so interesting about that is it kind of comes full circle. I can draw an analogy to the story that you were sharing about your father, which is, yes, there was no technology. So he had to show up at midnight to write that policy. But that was really about service, right? That was Absolutely. really about broker service. And what you're saying now is it's still about service. It just looks differently now than it did 30 years ago. Absolutely. I think everyone has the same amount of time as they did 30, 20 years ago, 30 years ago but it's like what you do with it. And I think that it's like how you offer that time to your customers and to be able to provide your expertise to your customers, I think is what being a broker is all about. Thank you, Stephen, so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. It's been a joy to have you and I'll see you on the flip side, my friend. Thank you so much for having me. Bye. Bye. Risk Management Brick by Brick is brought to you by TrustLayer. Find out how TrustLayer manages risk so that the people can build the physical world around us. Head over to trustlayer.io. And then make sure to subscribe to Risk Management Brick by Brick on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. On behalf of the Trustlayer team, thank you for listening. <laughs>